This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by The Nature Publishing Group. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Sickle cell disease affects hemoglobin, which helps red blood cells deliver oxygen. People who suffer from sickle cell typically have anemia, frequent infections, and episodes of pain. Long-term, more serious implications of the disease include organ damage and high blood pressure in the blood vessels to the lungs. My co-authors and I have had a a long interest in in sickle cell disease um, globally, but particularly in Africa, and in mortality associated with sickle cell disease. And we've published a review a few years ago in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine. And one of the questions which arose from that was, how accurate are the data that we have in reflecting the real numbers of births affected by sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease in Africa, which is a fundamental question nowadays in in quantifying the burden of disease. Fred Piel is a department lecturer in disease genetics at the University of Oxford and one of the authors of a new study in the journal Genetics and Medicine. Sickle cell also offers protection against malaria, so it's highly prevalent in malarial areas such as sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East, where the team focused their research. He and his co-authors wanted to know how the prevalence in these regions compared to what would be expected based on something called the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium, which predicts the frequency of a given gene type in a population. It relies on various key assumptions, which basically never apply or very rarely apply to human populations, like random mating, which means that any individual is um, having children randomly with, with random partners or that the size of the population is infinite. It also assumes that there is no selection for uh, new mutations, that there is no new mutations occurring and all sorts of key assumptions which fundamentally are wrong in most human populations but it's still such a, a classic and useful framework that there is no alternative and it's it's very useful Um, as a reference framework. Variations might be caused, for instance, by consanguinity, people marrying relatives such as cousins, or people marrying within a smaller ethnic group. And the assumption was that because of consanguinity population structure and all sorts of different factors, we would see strong deviations. And it's not a theoretical question. It has impact in the newborn estimates that we can generate that can inform public health policies. The hypothesis there was that previous methods, whether using a a single consanguinity factor for a large country or whether not using consanguinity as a a covariate in in any model to calculate newborn estimates at national country or regional countries, would underestimate the number of births affected by um, sickle cell disease in those regions. To get a sense of what the actual burden might be for sickle cell disease, they surveyed studies of newborn genetic screenings in sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. So it's quite depressing to some extent because the numbers might look quite large, but we only found 60 samples or sub-samples corresponding to populations in parts of Africa or the Middle East which have been studied. And overall, it was more than 1 million newborns tested for sickle cell disease and or hemoglobin C. But if you look more in detail into the data, you'll see that this is mostly representing two large surveys, one in Ghana, in Kumasi, which included about 300,000 newborns over 10 years, and another one in the Middle East, which included half a million 
newborns also over, over a relatively long period of time. So most of the surveys we could identify and which have been included, apart from these two, are really small surveys and, and do not really reflect the burden of this disease in, in those regions. Still, based on the research they compiled, they determined that for some regions in sub-Saharan Africa, the Hardy-Weinberg estimates might be off by about 30%. In some parts of the Middle East, the actual disease rate could be about 50% higher than currently predicted. It doesn't mean that across the whole of the Middle East or across the, the whole of sub-Saharan Africa, it is estimated by um, 50% or one-third in the case of sub-Saharan Africa. Um, but it does mean because it's not a one-off event, the fact that there are these substantial deviations from Hardy-Weinberg and that there is a substantial excess of homozygosity in quite a few surveys, it is clear that overall, if you add it all up, the number of newborns with sickle cell anemia currently um, used as basis are underestimates. This could be crucially important for children in those countries. Ministers of health or um, public health institutions in particular like to prioritize uh, disease based on their impact on the populations. And if you can show that the impact of sickle cell disease on populations in sub-Saharan Africa is much bigger than previously thought, then you might help pushing forward policies on sickle cell disease. And we know from um, studies in the UK and in, in the United States that early screening can substantially improve survival of patients with sickle cell disease. So if you diagnose newborns at birth, you can massively improve their survival through various basic measures like the use of penicillin prophylaxis or vaccinations, which are not very expensive, even for low-income countries, but are kind of not very widespread in sub-Saharan Africa. That suggests that if we can get politicians in those regions to address sickle cell disease and put in place newborn screening programs, that would be a major advance and would substantially improve the quality of life of patients with sickle cell disease. Fred Piel says that this study points to a number of future actions. First, there's a need for more newborn screenings for sickle cell disease in sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. Though, he points out, screening alone is not sufficient if healthcare isn't available for newborns and children who are diagnosed. Further, he says that he and his fellow researchers would like to better understand the factors that lead to the deviations from the expected disease prevalence. This could help improve public health outcomes in the regions. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by The Nature Publishing Group. I'm Cynthia Graber.